Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Worthy. We give out a lot of awards this time of the year. SB Awards, CMA Awards, Global Golden Global Awards. You know, I was thinking, as I was thinking about this message, in God preparing for His Son to come to this planet, just think if He would have hired an event planner from Earth. What would that have looked like? The red carpet would have been rolled out. Think of the attire that you would have had to put on to, in order to meet this king. Think about the food. Wow. God wrote the script and it's so different than what or how we would have written it. We're going to learn a little bit about that this morning. The preparations that went into planning for the Messiah to come. I know many of you are making plans this holiday season, aren't you? Some have already gone to visit some of the relatives. We're going to visit our relatives in Pensacola and we're making plans what we can talk about and what we can't talk about. Who gets what room? We have 50 from our clan and Cheryl's clan going up to Pensacola. Already the fights have started. Who gets what rooms? What children are going to be in what rooms? Who has to serve breakfast and lunch and dinner? Who has to clean up? Who buys the groceries? A lot of planning is going into that one little visit. And I'm sure you're making a lot of plans for people coming to your house. Well, let's look into the heart and mind of God as we read the scriptures and find out what kind of planning went into the preparation for the Messiah to come. Let's pray at this time. Father, we do want to sense we're in your presence. And I was thinking of that as we were singing what happened to Daniel when he realized he was in somewhat of the kingdom's presence, angels and Michael and Gabriel and what happened to me fell down with fear and trembling. Now, I don't think that's exactly what we would like to experience at this second, but we would like to be in your presence. And we're reminded that you said that you live in us. And then, of course, we're two or more gathered in your name. Somehow you are in our presence there. We would like to be in your presence this morning, strengthening our walk with you, our faith in you, our conversation about you, our giving to you, our reading about you. But most of all this morning, would you receive a willing heart and a willing mind? We surrender our wills to you this morning, asking you to speak to us and we'll yield that back to you, what you've given us so that you can speak to us and that you can receive our praise and adoration this morning, as well as speak through this messenger this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray, 
Amen. And all God's people say amen. Tell the person next to you, Merry Christmas. You can say that in this place. You can actually say that in this church. We are not a politically correct church, as you found out by now. Preparations for the Messiah. When I was thinking about this, I, I thought of a prophet, Amos. Now, you may recall this, that God said this in Amos 3, 7. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals to his servants the prophets. In other words, God is letting the world know what he's about to do. I pray that God would raise us some prophets today. I don't know who I can look to today and say, hmm, there's a prophet that has God's interest in mind, and we're going to listen to this person for such a time as this. Maybe there'll be someone here that God will raise up. Well, so he told the prophets, listen, I'm about to do something, and he told it to one of their most value, valued prophets, Isaiah. And God told Isaiah 700 years before it ever happened what was going to happen. Now, don't just gloss over that. Can you imagine us telling everyone what America will look like 700 years from now? I can't even tell you what it's going to look like next year with some of those people running our country. I, won't, I, I just said some of those people. I can't tell you next year, let alone 700 years from now. So please don't gloss over this fact that God is letting this prophet Isaiah know about this Messiah that's been promised from Genesis all the way down through the corridors of history. What is about to happen? This Messiah that was promised in Isaiah 7:14. We recall this passage so clearly when he said, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. I don't have time to go into all the background about this, but he asked a king he said, ask me, give me a sign. And, of course, the king got all puffed up and proudful and said, no, I don't want a sign from you, Lord. So, so God said, I'm going to give you a sign. A virgin will conceive a child. No big deal, it seems like. She will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. And then Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, gives us some further information about this coming Messiah that we are so familiar with. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The government and its peace will never and every peace treaty man has ever made has been broken. But the peace that Jesus brings will never end. He will rule with fairness, hallelujah, and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So he's informing the prophet Amos, Nothing's going to happen unless I reveal to the prophets. He reminded Isaiah of what was about to take place. In fact, even in the New Testament, we're reminded about God's preparation for the coming Messiah found in 1 Peter 1. 
For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Here's the key. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Planning. Someone said, fail the plan. Plan to fail. So before the foundations of the world, can you, can you kind of sense God's heartbeat? Can you kind of get into his mind that he was already thinking about you and me before the world ever began, knowing the, the man and the woman that he created was going to fail? He was already making plans to make it right again. Also, I think about the plans for the return of the Messiah. So if God is accurate, and he has been, about the planning of the Messiah to come to the earth the first time, you're recalling someone telling you the Messiah is going to return, but it's been over 2,000 years. But in Acts 1, God alerted the angels to communicate to men about his plans, the preparation for the second coming of the Messiah. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? This is when he took off into heaven and the Holy Spirit came down to live in us. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. The promises of God came true about the Messiah coming to earth for the first time. So since he said Jesus is coming back again, you can count on it. Now remember, you're thinking, wow, it's been a long time since God made that promise. Actually, it's only been a couple days from God's perspective because you recall, as I do, what? A thousand years is but a day with the Lord. So God is not slack concerning his promises. He is going to fulfill his promise to you and me. Have you been making preparation for the coming of the Messiah? The second time. When I thought about preparations, I also thought about the messenger that was going to announce the Messiah's coming. That's all part of God's plan. Now, we know preparations are made for important people that are coming to town, especially a president that comes to town. Much is made of a president, say, coming to Fort Lauderdale. When the president comes to town, there are a lot of local organizations that get involved with making the visit a success, from city officials and the police department to medical professionals and airport staff. It takes a village to get the city ready. And at the request of the Secret Service, the FAA can request airspace around the president for up to 30 nautical miles. Well, God has made preparations preceding the coming of the Messiah, the one that would announce his coming. Notice 
with me in Isaiah 42 through 5. These are things God let you and me know way ahead of time. Again, it's not like an event planner from our time, how they would plan it. It's just kind of really, really weird. No big fanfare. No big trumpets announcing the coming of the Lord. But there was a voice that would announce his coming. He said in Isaiah 40, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Here's an important person coming to town. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. For the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. So John came ahead of time to prepare people's hearts to meet the Messiah. You see, had he not prepared their hearts, it would be something akin to casting pearl before the swine. If you took precious pearl and you threw it in the trough of the pigs, they wouldn't be able to differentiate between the sort of corn and the pearls. Can you imagine taking the precious news of the gospel during the middle of Mardi Gras and trying to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or perhaps right in the middle of the Super Bowl, if Jesus was coming, what do you think everyone would say? Wait a minute, Jesus. Wait till halftime or wait till the game's over. So you don't take the precious seeds of God and throw them out to the wolves. John had to prepare the hearts and minds for God himself to visit the planet so they could hear the precious words of God. I'm here to give you life. Remember when he came to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. And the religious leader could not comprehend what Jesus was saying to him. And yet he was a religious teacher of all Israel. John needed to prepare the way for people to receive the Messiah. And God promised that a messenger would come and do just that. I don't know if you've thought about this, but I also thought about the preparations included a special and another miraculous pregnancy. The miraculous pregnancy of the messenger, not the Messiah. Think about it. The miraculous encounter that Zechariah experienced while he was worshiping God. Do you today really expect to encounter God as you pray, as you sing, as you give, as you listen. Come expecting from God. Well, here's Zechariah praying for his family. Let's look into what he was talking about to the Lord. When Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, 
Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. I want to ask you something. Are, not like you've heard it on TV, are you needing a miracle in your life? I'm not talking about put your, your quarter in the slot and pull the chain and, or pull the gear and out comes a miracle. We're not talking about that. But you really need God to intervene in your life. Do you still believe he will do that today? And you need God to intervene. I was thinking of the great miracles that God has done in my life. And there are mile markers in my life. And I, I've talked to you about them many, many times. But what about the miracle that you're looking for right now like Zachariah? And he's in there praying. And God answers his prayer and he doesn't even believe it. I wonder, do you actually believe what you are talking to God about that he will bring it to pass? There he was praying and the angel tells him, hey, your old lady, I'm sorry, your wife, your wife, who's older? Now, we're told she could be anywhere from 60 to 88 years old. We don't know for sure. But I, I thought about, can you imagine someone telling Letty she's about to have a baby? First of all, Bob would have a heart attack. And their children wouldn't believe it. I mean, so I'm trying to get you to think like Zachariah was thinking in Elizabeth. A miraculous baby. Please, God is making preparation to answer the prayers that you have offered up to him. I don't know exactly what he's going to say or how he's going to answer, but he will answer those prayers. I also thought about the preparations made for John to meet with Jesus while both were in the womb, as attested to by the mothers. Let's look at that scene when Mary was told, of course, that she would be pregnant miraculously, and that she was, and it took about a week to go about 80-something miles to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, and she went to visit her, and the Bible tells us a few days later, after Mary heard the news about her pregnancy, her pregnancy, and Elizabeth's, uh, she hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Now notice, John leaped in the womb. Now all you ladies know about this leaping in the womb if you've ever had a child. Here's what happened when Mary walked into the door. 
At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother, pregnant, pregnant already, of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. I don't know about you, but just FYI, I've never really heard this verse used for those who oppose abortion. Think about it. She walked into the house. There is God present in Mary. There's John the Baptist full of the Holy Spirit. And there's Elizabeth and Mary at least in the room. I'm sure that Zechariah escorted Mary to visit Elizabeth. He might have left and then came back. I don't know if he was in the room. But wow, the electricity, the favor and the glory of God in that room that caused the babies to leap in the womb. Those babies are alive, the second of conception. And they're living. And this is proof that God blesses the children in the womb. John knew he was in the presence of God, even in his mother's womb. By the way, something kind of similar takes place in our spirit, in your spirit. You sometimes wonder whether you're a child of God, especially after you've sinned. God said there's no condemnation. Isn't it? Nice to know this verse here in Romans 8, 16 through 17. For the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. Have you ever had that happen to you? You kind of feel that no one loves you and God's forgotten you and abandoned you. And you, you know that you've had a born-again experience, but you, you feel like the way we're a child. Just repent of your sins and the connection of your spirit with his spirit will take place. And it says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So something that's similar happened in that room can happen between you and God in this room. God can show you that you are his child. If you don't have that happening in you, well, today you can make that decision to accept Christ as your savior. Something else that took place, I was thinking about the preparations, and that is the preparation made by John for others to meet Jesus. Now, during this season, I, I'm kind of a little irritated again that the world decided to take Jesus' birthday to, to, to mess with his birthday and, and do all this other stuff, but we enjoy all this other stuff. It doesn't have to be bad. But, of course, he had to tag along with what we were doing as Christians. And uh, I just think about what really, really took place, probably back in September, when Jesus was born. And John the Baptist needed to get people ready to meet the Messiah. And how did he do that? Again, if you were, had an event 
coordinator planning these events, this would not be how you would do it. John the Baptist would come out yelling, repent, repent, get ready to meet the king. Hey, can't you preach something nice on, on uh, Christ's birthday besides repent? Well, look at John, excuse me, Luke 3. He's preparing the way for Jesus. See, this is God the planner, preparing your heart and my heart to meet the king. I wonder, are you ready right now to meet the king if he were to walk in here, Jesus the Messiah? When the crowds came for John for baptism, he said, oh, I, I, I tell you guys, would some of you brought visitors would be mad at the pastor if I said, you brood of snakes, especially if the religious elite came in here from seminary and college, from your favorite college, your favorite seminary. They come to visit Victory Life Church, and I'm yelling at you, brood of vipers. Oh, I would be on your best list for Christmas, I'm sure. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. We are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the acts of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowd asks, okay, Jesus hasn't arrived on the scene yet. They really don't know about him. What should we do to be ready to meet the Messiah today? What should you do to get ready for the second coming? Or what should you do, if you're looking in on this message this morning, to Accept Christ as your Savior. He makes it very clear. Repent. He said, here's some of the things that you can do if you want to really meet the Messiah. He said, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry, not those who are raising money on the street corners. You didn't get that. See, see, they could get a job. The Bible says those who don't work, don't eat. And then he said, someone else asked, what else can we do? He said, even corrupt tax collectors came to him to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. And what should we do, asked some soldiers. John replied, don't exhort money or make false accusations. Be content with your pay. So what should you do today? What should I do to be prepared to celebrate the coming of the Messiah for the first time? Get your heart right before God. Again, I told you, a false doctrine is going around today in our churches throughout our land. And that is, you don't have to repent of your sin before you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. It is a dominant doctrine that's going around. Just get them saved. Get them to say the prayer. And after they say the prayer, then the Holy Spirit will work on them. Wrong, camel breath. First, repent of your sin. Then you'll be prepared to meet the Messiah. Almost everybody that encountered Jesus, 
felt shame for their sin and they repented of their sin. Then they were ready to receive the gift of eternal life. That's exactly how it needs to happen. Repentance is needed. But remember the picture of Jesus standing there with his open arms, ready to receive you, ready to forgive you, ready to cover you of the blood that he has to give to you. What have you done that you think God won't forgive you of? Read the pages of Scripture. Every single sin that you could ever dream of is on display in the Word of God. And there's not one sin he won't forgive you of. Actually, there isn't. Because many theologians believe you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit today. But there is a type of rebellion that you could commit that would not be forgiven. And you know what that is? When the Holy Spirit comes knocking on your heart's door and says, repent. Repent of that rebellion that you have against your wife or your husband or your child or your boss or the president. That hate that you have in your heart. Repent of that. That adultery, that sin, that lying, that cheating, that stealing. Repent of that, blaspheming the name of God, taking his name in vain. Repent of that. I'm ready to forgive you. Come now, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Can't you hear the heartbeat of Jesus saying, come now, let's reason together. I know you've sinned. Would you admit you've sinned? And if you'll repent of your sin, now your heart's ready and prepared to meet the Messiah. Finally, this morning, preparations for the messenger that passed the baton to Jesus. As I thought about all this preparation that our God has gone to for you and me, it may not be the kind of preparation you would have made for the coming Messiah, but God didn't check in with you first. Remember, my plans are not your plans. Man plans, but God directs steps. This is the way God wanted to unravel it. And isn't it wonderful that this simple story has lived on and on and on for 2,000 years? I can't remember what happened at the ESP Awards. Can you? I don't know who won at the Golden Global Awards. I can't tell you. I'm trying to remember who the Heisman Trophy winner was last year. You see, that will fade out. All the hoopla that was made to give those people, those individuals, those awards, we have soon forgotten about it. But isn't it just like God to plan something in such a way that we would never forget that Jesus was born in a manger and that God would send a man in the wilderness to announce his coming to prepare the people for the Messiah. One last thing, this messenger that came before Jesus did, he also got to baptize God in the flesh. Matthew 3, 13. Can you imagine baptizing him? In fact, when Jesus came to him, he said, no, please, I, I can't do this. I'm not worthy. Go ahead and do what I'm asking you to do, John. So the story picks up in Matthew 3. When Jesus went from Galilee to Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, 
It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after this, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Hmm. Wow. Moms and dads, do you affirm your son and your daughter like the father did his son? And then some of the marriage class that some of us went through, God reminded us that that girl you're married to is my daughter. That guy you're married to is my son. And he, he challenges us. How have you been treating my son? How have you been treating my daughter? That's something that you can get right this morning before God. As we think about John and the preparations that were made by God to introduce Jesus into the world. And then there's kind of the fading of John in the background. In John chapter 3, it says, So the disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing. And everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. And it is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. The messenger. It kind of reminds me of what we're doing here at Victory Life Church. You see, this coming here behind the scenes, Jacob, my predecessor, he's going to be leading behind the scenes. You see, I'm not going anywhere, but I'll be fading a little bit of being in the front. And then the following year, he'll kind of come into the front, and I'll come in the back. I don't see how that'll work. But God's making preparations here at Victory Life to do something similar. You see, even in your life, your job, the resources you have, even those who sing up here and play instruments, those who teach and those who preach, I'm thinking of all these fancy preachers that preach up on stage, and I wonder if Jesus walked into the room, how they would act and how they would conduct themselves. Am I preaching in such a way? Am I speaking in such a way that I'm honoring him? Are they speaking and preaching in such a way that honors God? Or are they trying to rile up a crowd? Are they trying to get people on their side? Why are they doing what they do? Why are you doing what you do today? Is it you really want to take your job? You really want to take your marriage? You really want to take your family? And lay it on the altar and say, God, I give this to you. In fact, my life I give to you. I want you to bring honor to your name. I want, I want you to bring attention to the Father. Is that your desire? Because that's the desire of the Holy Spirit living in you. He wants to bring attention to the Father. You must decrease and get out of the way. That's why I love these athletes. I, that's why I'm a fair-weather football fan. I follow godly men and godly athletes that, uh, again, have I mentioned Tim Debo lately? I went to see him a couple weeks ago. It's it, it just, he's one of the guys, it was so obvious, he wanted to get out of the way 
and he wanted to shine for Jesus. And the world couldn't stand it. If you live that way, people will call upon him, but you will be persecuted for Christ's sake. Remember, that comes along with identifying yourself with him. Are you ready to handle that as we go into next year with all these people that could care less about Jesus? We need to get ready to support one another. He's warned us ahead of time that those times are coming. Look what happened to John. We won't end on this note, but John was beheaded for identifying himself with Jesus. He said persecution will come to those that love him. At a birthday party for Herod, think about a, a president or someone like that important as King Herod was important to the people in Judea. Herod's daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. And at her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. And then the king regretted what he had said because of the vow he had made in front of his guests. He issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what happened. And here's what Jesus said about this man, this messenger, this one that came to prepare the way for the Messiah. God's planning was now finished for the Messiah to enter center stage. He said, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I like what John MacArthur said about this particular verse, and I quote, John's unique greatness was in his role in human history. That's what, that's what God's talking about, Jesus is talking about. Not in his spiritual inheritance in which he would be equal to every believer. Therefore, the least in the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual dimension, is greater than he, that is, that anyone in the human dimension, including John. As we end, you can never really, truly enjoy Christmas until you can look up into the Father's face and tell him you have received the greatest Christmas gift you could ever receive, and that is his son. Would you stand with me at this time? God has made a lot of preparations for you. Are you preparing your heart either to meet Jesus for the first time, to get right with Jesus, or actually prepared for his second coming? He's given you time. Time will run out. If you're here today looking in online this morning, remember, confess, repent of your sin. Believe that Jesus is God and went to the cross for you. Shed his blood, the only known antidote to sin. He shed his blood for you. Call out on God to save you. That blood will be applied to your sin, your life. Now when God looks at you, he looks 
through the blood of Jesus and you are justified. You are made right in the sight of God because that is his will. There's nothing you can do to make yourself right in the sight of God except through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. You can do that this morning. If you're looking in online this morning and perhaps you're making that decision, would you make a comment in the comment section and we will get some material in your hand. If you've made that decision here this morning, we're not going to try to put you on the spot. You can fill out that card in front of you, that prayer card below you. Fill it out. Put it in the offering box and someone will get in touch with you this week. Preparation for the holidays. I pray that it will include Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday week and a Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.